American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this podcast is brought, is brought, brought to you by Dragon, Dragon Shield. Shield. Thank, Thank you so much for supporting the show. Make sure you use our affiliate, affiliate, affiliate link down below. <laughs> I give up. I'm so bad at this. I'm using that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. I'm Dylan. I'm Tyler. And this week, we're all together because the Lord of the Rings magic set has officially finally come out after our long anticipation, and we're going to be talking about all the good cards in CEDH. I'm so excited. I can't wait. We're going to dive right in. We're going to be going in Wooburg order this time, back to our roots, starting off with one of the first cards uh, previewed from the set, which is Reprieve. This is one in a white for an instant that returns target spell to its owner's hand, and you get to draw a card. This is remand. This it's is basically remand. a white remand with slightly better implications. Is it? Was it? Why is it better? Because it can get around uncounterable things too. Oh. So like you can bounce back the nice. spell since it doesn't actually say counter. So like your abrupt decay and stuff like that. Fuck you. There's yeah. exactly one situation in which it is not better, and that is if you are running Baral Chief of Compliance. And other than that, it's better. Yeah, definitely. I think this card is cool, especially in white, because white often has access to Rule of Law. So if you bounce a thing up to their hand, there's a chance they won't be able to play it back again that turn because they've already cast their spell if they have the Rule of Law. I think this card's cool. Yeah, I think this synergizes very nicely with white wants to do. Roman should have been a white card to begin with anyway, so it's glad. I'm glad that they went back in. And they basically eroded it here. Should it? Uh, I mean, certainly not if it's a counter, or maybe. Uh, I just, I think what it does, I, I agree. I think it's kind of a white effect. I guess. I, I see this as yeah. white creeping on the color pie, but I mean, Wizards has been trying to make white a lot better, and I guess they probably weren't going to do that without stealing parts of the color pie from other colors. So, uh, it's, I yeah. Guess this is the new reality. I mean, they've invented all the mechanics already, basically. So you kind of <laughs> have their to. Mechanics. They explicitly haven't. Like, there's definitely new mechanics every set. But, like, the ring temps you is from Legends. Like, come on. <laughs> so, uh, overall, it's pretty good. It's not going to see play in like every single deck and if you're running if you're running blue you are not touching this but otherwise it's it's a really nice thing for white to have outside of cedh too low color low color white decks would definitely play this i think yeah and i think it's it's worth mentioning that um in rule of law decks this gets a lot better uh, yeah. because yeah. it's something that can't be recast right away so is this like a reason to play in like a tim the tana or something like that if you're playing like a staxy creature deck like that that's four colors i think you have too many good cards too many at good that point. cards yeah that's i think we're I in mono white territory all right boromir warden of the tower is outside of just mono white territory this is two and wait for a legendary creature human soldier 3-3 with vigilance it says whenever an opponent casts a spell if no mana was spent to cast it counter that spell and you can sacrifice this boromir to have creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn and the ring tempts you so this is our first instance of the ring tempting you coming into play here um, I don't think it's really something that's going to take over CEDH as a mechanic based on what we've seen. No, basically all the ring tempt you does is turns one of your creatures into a legendary creature, which I guess could come up for like Mox Amber, but probably isn't. And it also gives them evasiveness and some looting when they deal damage. From what I've seen, it's not super powerful in its own right, but it's just slight upside. You know what? It does help with uh, the channel ability of Ottawara and Beseju too. Mm. So that could potentially do something, but I don't know how much, how relevant that is. How? Because you, it's it's cost for the channel ability is reduced by however many ah, legends you control. I understand. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah so nice. with Boromir and tempting the ring, it's pretty easy to get Ottawara down to one mana. But That's I don't think you should be building your deck right. around making Ottawara a one mana activation. Certainly not. I think it's also worth saying while we're talking about the ring tempts you for the first time that for CEDH purposes, the, on, the the last one you care about is the second one, which is loot. And loot isn't that great in CEDH, but it's still um, card selection. So, you know, more or less after that point, the ring tempts you might as well not have text. I don't know. I think Skulk is the worst one. Looting fuels uh, your graveyard strategies and you can see more cards. That's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Looting is the best one. 
Oh, it's the best one? I thought you said it was the worst one. No, he's saying that's where you stop. It doesn't matter oh, if further progress see. after that. Typical the other me ones and don't Tyler not understanding each other on the set reviews. What uh, the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I think Bormir is going to be great in Winota. I think this is a yeah, real Yeah, definitely. We haven't even talked about that first line of text that really makes it good. The Levin- Lavinius line of text there. Yeah, it prevents force of will, a lot of other free counter spells. It's really super helpful. It protects your things in combat damage. I think this card's going to be good. Can't evoke anything either. Uh, well, specifically like the, the, the new free ones. evoke ones. Yeah. yeah. It's worth remembering that um, like Lavinia and Yasharn, this is um, sometimes going to be a disadvantage if one of your opponent has, opponents has the free interaction that stops another one of your opponents, but you don't not play these effects just for that reason. Yeah, uh, and you can, also, a you can also sacrifice this at any time to give your creatures indestructible. So if that That's is the case, true. you can always say, I'll sack it if you show me the force of it, you can stop this other win. That is a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah really really like this card. This card is going to find a couple of different homes in CEDH, so I'm excited to be able to play Boromir. Uh, our next one is a card that you will actually see in our gameplay video coming up this weekend, Gandalf the White. This is one of the decks uh, that Tyler actually built, too, so I'll let you take it, but let me let me read first, so hold your horses. Uh, three and two white for a four five legendary creature artifact wizard it is a flash creature that says you may cast legendary spells and artifact spells as though they had flash and if a legendary permanent or an artifact entering or leaving the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control the trigger that ability triggers an additional time yeah. What, do, what do you think of this, Tyler? Um, this deck was was pretty sweet to play. Uh, I had a really tough time building it. I think there are two directions it can really go, which is leaning very heavily into stacks and the ability to select the stacks piece you need at the right time because a lot of them will incidentally end up having flash versus going a much more combo route. Um, people are talking about using uh, KCI combos with it a lot, um, which is not the direction I chose to go, but is also like reasonably viable, kind of a la Teshar, though I think it might be a worse KCI deck than Teshar. Hard to say yet. I think people are still figuring it out. But it is definitely up there with mono-white commanders. Uh, I don't think it's the best mono-white commander, but it's it's um, certainly viable. Reminds me of, like, Yeva. Like, on the mono-green side, having a commander that can give your stuff flash is really powerful, and you can win on top of people. Absolutely. So I understand where, like, the KCI lines came come from, but I don't know. I kind of like your build, too. Yeah, and, and it's also worth saying, like, the, the double enter the battlefield effect for things like artifacts is pretty relevant. So this causes you to want to run some weird things like Archaeomancer's map, but also um, gives you some great synergies with things like Portable Hole, where you're going to be able to hit two targets. I would not be surprised if this card takes down a commander tournament and then never sees play in a tournament again. After that. <laughs> this feels like a deck that's going to very easily snipe a tournament and then everyone's going to know what it does and then it's going to have a much harder time after that. Yeah, this is like the exact kind of card for that. And definitely a card that I'm going to have to read like a billion different times to remember what all this triggers off of. So <laughs> in general, Gandalf the White, pretty good, probably better in 60 card formats, but um, we like Gandalf the White here. Um, so that's it for the white cards. Not too much white here. Um, even less blue, though. Our f- only blue card we're going to be talking about today is Stern Scolding. This is a one blue mana instant that says counter target creature spell with power or toughness, two or less. This counters a lot. It stops Dockside. It stops Nasus Oracle. It stops Kiki-Jiki. I think that's important to say, but... Counter spells are not good because they can stop creatures. They're good because they're good in a multitude of reasons. I'm not sure if this one is good enough, but it's definitely close. I, I, I don't know. What do you think about this card? What I've heard people saying that I think is, is exactly correct is that it is not going to reasonably see play because it's too narrow in any deck except Krark Sakashima where it can hold people off of commanders and relevant cards multiple times by never really leaving your hand if you're kind of in the mode where you're getting going. So I think it, it might find a home there, um, but I, I think pretty much no other deck is really going to want this. This card reminds me of Minor Misstep. Like, it to me, it feels like a slightly better Minor Misstep where it's just a really cool and interesting one-mana counter that we could have access to, but it doesn't hit what I want it to hit. Like, if I want a creature counter, I want to make sure that my creature counter could also hit the two commanders I'm most worried about, Winota and Tivit. Like, those are two that I really want to make sure that I can hit, but I also don't want to just counter Winota and Tivit. Don't get me wrong. I want to make sure that I can also counter like everything else that comes up. So I don't know what other one mana spells I'm cutting for this. 
maybe dispel, but even then that's that's going to be tough because this doesn't help you in a counter war at all. Yeah, I think historically the strength in counter spells relies in not their ability to stop win conditions, but the ability to fight over things on the stack. So the ability to sometimes protect your own thing and also sometimes disrupt your opponents. So them being one-sided, I would just rather removal most of the time if they're only stopping creatures. Obviously, I know Dockside and Thassa's Oracle removal is not good there but there are plenty of other things that can stop them before they get to those situations or can stop what comes after i would rather play dress down 100 percent of the time in over stern scolding i think i'm with you on that and i also think most decks um the decks that do run spell snare probably keep spell snare over this because it still hits dockside and a bunch of other relevant two mana targets and spell snare's really low on our list of counter spells. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like this is probably lower. This is yeah. worse than spell snare, probably. Yeah, I think so too. I like putting the one mana counter spells on these lists so that we can at least talk about them because I know they always generate a lot of hype. Um, but this one, I just don't think is going to become a staple of the format. It's no offer you can't close. refuse. Yeah, it's no offer, it's no you, offer can't. you can't. Refuse. I've refused this stern scolding a ton. Yeah, which is a shame. It's a scolding that you may refuse. Because yeah. I really want to say fool of a took every yeah. time I cast the spell, but yeah. I just don't think I'm going to get to cast the spell. So, all right, let's move on to black then. Nasty End is on this list only because it's very similar to a couple cards that don't really see a ton of play, but sometimes see play. This is one and a black for an instant that says, as an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice Rograk. I'm sorry, I mean a creature. <laughs> um, it says, draw two cards, then if the sacrifice creature was legendary, draw three cards instead. Yeah, in Rograk decks, this is a two-mana draw three. That's kind of why it's there. And there are other cards that for one mana can sack a creature and draw two cards. I think two mana for three cards is a substantially better rate than one mana for two cards. Maybe? It, it is? I, I think don't know. So. I feel I'd like... rather pay two mana for three cards than one mana for two cards, I think. So if I'm in Rog Silas, I'd rather have Village Rights, but I feel like maybe if I'm in Rog Tevish, I'd rather have Nasty End. Maybe. Yeah, I think it just depends on how fast you're trying to go because if, if two mana... Is, if if, if the plan is to play this turn one, I think you don't always lean into spending two mana on the draw three cards. I don't know. It's tough. Is it, is it, I don't know if it's going to be good enough to see play, to be honest, but it's close. We don't really have this yet. We don't have something that does this. Two mana, draw three, straight up, minimal downside. We don't really have anything like that. So Yeah. I guess the other thing that's good about a village rights is that it doesn't matter what the sacrifice creature is. Legendary Even if it's not, not yeah. Ragrak, you're going to get more cards than mana you spent on it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Nasty End isn't necessarily that way if there's like a Dranith magistrate in play that's messing you up so do decks that are hulk piles want this that that because they usually want consistent sacrifice outlets well but they also don't which... want uh vampiric rights from what i can tell a lot of the time village so rights? yeah village rights yeah. um they also don't want vampiric rights uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't think they want village rights anyway so i think they yeah. definitely wouldn't want nasty end i think the only time this is plays if you're seeing rock if you're playing rock rack that's the only rock. time it's only worth time i would consider it yeah same with village rights kind of so yeah maybe yeah all right here's a much all right we're gonna here's the first one we're gonna be super fucking stoked to talk about here orcish bowmaster finally one in a black for a creature orc archer that's a one one with flash it says when orcish bowmaster enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a card except for the first one they draw in each of their draw steps orcish bowmaster deals one damage to any target and then a mass orcs one there's so many extra words on this card that make it so much better than i feel yeah. like it should have been flash is incredible it's the the thing happens on an ETB, which is also incredible. You can just ping off a mana dork for free if you want to. It makes an extra beater. You can pretty easily, if a Timna's coming at you, flash this in, ping the Timna, use the orc to block the Timna. And also the ability that lets you machine gun your opponents or machine gun the entire table. This card, I think, is like the card of the set for sure. Dude, any yeah. card that gives you two bodies on one card right. is already going to be busted. Good. Like, Timna, Timna loves this. Any deck that's playing like a Notion Thief kind of strategies loves this as like another thing that you can do with Notion Thief. Now that we don't have whole breacher yeah yep this and flash and all that it yeah it is a superb card um in in other conversations i i expressed the opinion that it might be bannable i've played against it a little more since then and i'm not sure that this isn't bannable territory which to be honest makes me kind of sad because i'm someone who enjoys creature decks and this is terrible news for creature decks yeah when there is no imminent wheel um this really ends up doing a lot less obviously but there's enough incidental draw that just being on the battlefield makes makes it feel like a stacks piece that says you can't play one toughness creatures which is really rough <laughs> in a risk study world which i feel like we are comfortably in right now this card is also excellent 
um it's it just it does it does so many things for such a small amount of mana i think like every black deck is gonna at least want to try this card out absolutely yeah, i 100 percent agree the only miss of this is that it doesn't have reach it's like the first <laughs> yeah. archer in magic that doesn't have reach is that true that i think so because that's like a big thing that they talk about all the time is that yeah. flavorfully archers have reach these are orcish archers maybe that's the difference so do they just fire arrows into the ground all the time I, maybe they can't jump high enough I don't maybe know. They their damage they is shooting up. you in the foot the way their arms are built they can't shoot oh. up they can only shoot straight and down i see I okay <laughs> i guess that makes sense in the art no one's shooting up so i guess that's have you totally guys even seen the movies like, <laughs> oh, yeah no orcs never shoot up they never shoot up. i've seen the movies they never <laughs> yeah that's a fact you can look that up you can look that up if you're not an orc because they can't look up orcs can't look they can't use their fingers properly <laughs> for keyboards <laughs> This is incredible. Oh, my God. All right. Spiteful Banditry is our next card. This is X2 to uh, red. X red red for an enchantment that says whenever Spiteful Banditry enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to each creature. And whenever one or more creatures your opponent's control dies, you may cast a... You may cast a treasure. You may create a treasure token. This ability only triggers once each turn. This card is very hindered by that last ability but what's yeah. the black card Me meat hook massacre this yeah. is very similar heat hook massacre nice yeah okay okay <laughs> um limited by that one treasure per turn but even with that i think this card is like fine in a lot of red decks this is more often than not going to sweep the table i mean you're going to be spending like five or six mana to really kill everything a lot of times which is a lot of mana but you get at least one treasure back right away is that correct you get one back as yeah. long as you kill at least one thing you get one back right away yeah i think this is probably um only going to really want a home in um, decks that are concerned around like one big creature strategy so mostly what I have in mind is Niv-Mizzet where I think there's a reasonable chance that you want to cast this for one or two to clear the way of some stacks pieces and create treasures that are going to give you the pips to help cast Niv-Mizzet. The fact that it sticks around like Meat Hook Massacre is not as good as Meat Hook Massacre which does the Blood Artist effect which is probably more powerful but getting incidental treasures here and there as anyone who plays Smothering Tithe knows is like pretty good and so it's not like your opponent's creatures are not going to die for the rest of the game um, so I think even if you're only making one treasure per turn cycle this probably feels better in most decks than Anger of the Gods or Brotherhood's End and even then I think making one treasure per turn cycle is even pretty generous it's not bad yeah like I've been thinking about this card for Magda just because it can get you incidental treasures but the problem there is that you kill your own Magda yeah, every yeah, single time yeah. that you cast dwarfs, this. And all my dwarves, on, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm basically wrathing myself and putting myself in a terrible position to maybe make two treasures down the line. I don't know about it there. I agree something like the Mizzet's much better. Can we just say, too, if this was asymmetrical and dealt damage to creatures your opponents control, oh. this, this would be on Bowmaster's level. This definitely. would be an it, unbelievable yeah. card. If it only, yeah, if it only really. played Wind, if it only killed your opponent's things, it would definitely be one of the better cards in the set, for sure. Yeah, but as of now, I, I really don't know about it. Some I think Goto might want it, honestly. I think Goto could play something like yeah, this. Yeah, I could see Goto, too. I could see, actually, yeah, I could see Goto with this, yeah. too. Um, yeah. There's a couple homes, but certainly not every deck. This versus, like, Fire Covenant. What do you like better? Fire Covenant. Fire yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. Yeah, I, I think they're comparable, but I think Fire Covenant still it's is. It's an instant. It's only ever three yeah, mana. Really you can, it. Yeah, you can spite. You can get exactly what you need. Yeah, it's that once each turn thing that really shuts it down, that makes takes us from being like a, a actually pretty good card to absolute not great. Well, well I guess yeah. not absolute not great. There are a lot of good situations. I'm just sad that this is a treasure card that I'm not stoked about for yeah. me. Right. It's close. It's so close to being broken. But it they, really they is. Fixed it. Again, just Niv Mizzet. Because yeah. then, you know, if you get him out, you're killing creatures on your opponent's turns anyway. Right. Which is exactly. where you want to be. Yeah it's, yeah, it's best there, I think. Our next card is Display of Power. And our $100 patron, AJ Alwosebi, has a couple things to say about that. So without further ado, here is... AJ. What's up? What's going on, guys? Everybody's favorite $100 patron, AJ Alwasabi, here to bring you my favorite card from the new Lord of the Rings set, Display of Power. Games of CDH a lot of the times feel like they're won or lost on the casting of a high-impact spell. And Display of Power gives you the ability to turn that dynamic absolutely on its head. Whether it be deciding the outcome of a counter-war or copying and resolving a high impact spell like Ad Nauseum or Appear to the Abyss before the original caster, Display of Power feels like it's always going to be exactly that when it's cast. A Display of Power. So I can't wait to get this card and start grinding it out in a couple of CDH games and really get a chance to feel the impact of it. 
But once again, bringing you my favorite card and one that I think is probably going to have the highest impact in CEDH from this set, Display of Power. Display of Power. I'm going to read Display of Power real, real quick. Uh, Display of Power is one and two red for an instant. It says this spell can't be copied, and it says copy any number of target instant and or sorcery spells. You may choose new targets for the copy. Ceiling, very high. Floor, underneath the ground. Six feet under. This card can be really good in certain situations, but I think, unfortunately, more often than not, it's not going to do a ton. It really is looking at just, like, giant counter wars on the stack for the most part. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other cases with, like, you know, winning lines that you can also execute if someone casts the right spell. But I think most of the time, this is just going to feel like in the realm of... Um, in the realm of Mind Break Trap, but much, much worse, where its, it's, it's function is to operate on a really large stack. And at that point, you know, you're holding up three mana for that. I, I don't think so. I don't even know if like a mono red deck wants this to like have another way to interact. Like right now, your best counter spell is to bolt trickery. Um, and this is deflecting swat. Uh, yeah. OK, that's true. Um, yeah. OK, deflecting swat into bolt trickery. And then after that, you have no other stack in it. Right, right, right. So Red Elemental Blast, yeah. Pyroblast, and then, okay, so this is worse than all of those things. Yeah. I, the only thing I can think of is, does Karkun Sakashima want something like this? So I asked that on the Discord, and most Discordians Said responded no. saying no. No, okay, yeah. That was my only thought. Anytime a red Stormy card comes into existence, I think, can Karkun Sakashima break this bad card? This I don't one, think maybe you not. have any troubles making copies of things in Kraken Sakashima. Yeah. And this is what I would want to copy, but this being uncopyable makes me not want it in that. You deck. can copy your own stuff though, right? You can copy your other things, but again, you don't have a problem copying the spells you're that you're casting that. in Kraken yeah. Sakashima. Yeah, yeah, that deck doesn't have a problem with that. Okay. Zero out of five. Next? Zero out of five. But thank you, AJ. <laughs> Next card is another Magda card. This is Gloin Dwarf Emissary. This is two and a red for a 3-3 legendary creature dwarf advisor that says whenever you cast a historic spell, create a treasure token. Of course, this ability only triggers once each turn. Ooh. But you can tap and sack a treasure to goad another creature. How do you feel about this in in, uh, in Magda? I'm very mid on it in Magda so far. So, like, what would potentially make this good is that you can create two treasures per turn cycle with this. And if you can consistently do that, this is phenomenal. You can't do that if you are using one of the treasures to goad a creature. At that case, at max, you're making one. Uh, or you're breaking even, because if Magda is out, you just break even on treasures with this um the goad i don't love the goad ability uh the best case scenario for goad is that you can get a if you don't have a, a dwarf tapper in play you can clear the way if someone only has one creature so that you can get in at them and make a bunch of treasures with the dwarves that you have in play um outside of that you can use it on like someone's opposition agent to but it, to try to get off that board but at that point then whoever they attack knows that i need opposition agent off the board so they're also incentivized not to block yeah where it unlocks someone else's stuff that's the other thing too right so like i think i think there's definitely some cool aspects to this card where it's definitely worth trying out to see how frequently i have a historic spell to cast on my turn to make two treasures in a turn cycle but if it's not gonna make me two treasures in a turn cycle it's way too worse than dwarven blood boiler for me to want to play a second three mana Dwarf. Yeah, I think at three mana, this card is just too expensive. The best thing that the goad does is get rid of like card advantage things like Timna, because that'll be your opponents will be eager to block those things if they send them in. But you're right, the opposition agents aren't going to get blocked. So yeah, two two questions about this because I don't play Magda, but my instinct is that if this had haste, it would be be an auto include because you can t tap it right away even if you're just attacking. It would be a lot better, yeah, because being able to use it to attack as opposed to goading something seems a lot better follow up i think this card is low powered enough that they could reasonably have printed haste on it and kept it costed the exact same so Probably. Like, yeah did we just miss out on that that's a bummer it's close they were aware of the power level of some of these cards i think yeah especially because like, they know not, that these not cards... masters yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but i think especially because they know these cards are going into modern like breaking mana is something that they are very yeah. particular about in modern so i can't say i'm surprised to see on the two cards that could potentially make you multiple treasures a turn that they totally neutered it makes sense yeah
Almost. Close? Worth trying? Yeah, I, I think it's worth trying. I don't think it's going to be as easy of a slot in as the next card we're going to talk about, which is Cavern Horde Dragon. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that one. Yeah, this is 7 and 2 red for a creature dragon that's a 6-6. Six, six. Uh, it costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest number of artifacts and opponent controls. One opponent in particular, so not quite like Dockside. It is Flying Trample and Haste, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you create a treasure token for each artifact that player controls. In best case scenario, this is a 2-mana, 6-6, six, six, Flying Trample Haste that deals 7 damage and or it deals six damage and gives you seven treasures on combat damage, right? Like, that's what this is going to do in its best-case scenario, or much more than that, perhaps? Uh, yeah, but that's like a dream scenario. Yeah. You're only getting the treasures from one player, so it doesn't add up for everything. It also doesn't count enchantments, so you can't count Rhystic Study and stuff like that. I realistically see this getting me two to five treasures, realistically once it hits someone and if it's getting me two treasures at a time that's enough to kind of help me push magda into a spot where i can get a second activation right away that's really why this is good if this can get me four to five treasures where i can like tap magda and attack with this and be able to get a second magda activation and the games that i can't win the game off of a singular magda activation this is going to be a really good one to go for yeah, definitely. I think the ceiling on this one is pretty high, and the fact that it's tutorable with Magda specifically makes it worth it. I don't think it sees play in it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. other decks no me neither in magda specifically as as well as just like now you have an option to like i'll find my dragon that helps me get treasures you can also find your dragon that helps you get card advantage by getting the other recent one what's that one just Goria? Just Goria Dragon. Yeah. You can get your dragon that helps you get bodies. Like, you have so many routes of just, like, fairness that you can play on Magda if you're not going for the unfair route. So I think that's a cool addition. I think so, too. Yeah. This is definitely, uh, hey, Magda, can we have Dockside Extortionist? Yeah. Magda says, no, we have Dockside Extortionist at home. <laughs> yeah. And it's this. All right. Well, that will clear up the red section then. We're going to move into green then. And we, again, only have one card to talk about in green. Pretty good one, though. It's a really good one. Yeah, this is Delighted Halfling. This is one green for a 1-2 creature Halfling citizen. You can tap it to make a colorless mana, or you could tap it to make one mana of any color. But that mana can only be spent to cast a legendary spell. However, that spell can't be countered. The only thing that I want to say before I give the microphone to Tyler is that one mana mana dorks don't come up often, and normally yeah. one mana mana dorks they're good. Okay, Tyler, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I th I think the place to start talking about this is by talking about why Boreal Druid does not get played in CEDH for the most part. Um, Boreal Druid being the the one one green mana dork that we pretty much don't play. Uh, it taps for only colorless mana, and a lot of times that's just not good enough, even though it's close in some decks. This is that plus um, Cavern of Souls for your commander and other legendary creatures if you have them incidentally, which I think is good enough for just about every green deck. Uh, I think there are very few that won't want this. It is also not nothing that it has two toughness, um, especially after Orcish Bowmasters just got printed because it does not get picked off by the immediate ETB, which is super salient. Obviously, as a Kinnon player, I'm really excited because um, the legendary restriction on the mana it makes with its second ability is not copied when you get it with Kinnon. So this also taps for one of any color in Kinnon decks. So uh, I think more or less every green deck wants this. Kinnon absolutely loves this. Um, and it's um, it's delightful to see more hey this can't be countered um stuff I, I think putting that on a creature instead of having it the exclusive territory of um cavern of souls basically is, is pretty nice i love this um casting docin off of this which is a legendary green creature that's that allows that's you some protection yeah casting uh three fairy little to fairy because this is it caps for a legendary of any 
permanence. It's not just creatures, right? So you can cast a fairy, and then your opponents can't cast things on your turn. You can go for a protected win. Yeah, my, my rel like also. That. My rel also. There's a couple other. Any type of legendary creature permanent or anything that gives you protection, you would love to cast off this to make it uncounterable. And then, yeah, it's just it's going to be a great card. The floor is, like, so much better Boreal Druid. Right, yeah, That exactly. can, like, cast your commander uncounterably at, at the floor. So this thing is nuts. Again, the two toughness is... Bonkers. Very helpful. Love this card. Every single green deck just got that much better. Maybe not every single, but a lot of them. Most green decks. Yeah. Thrasios? That's the only Thrasios decks I'm maybe not as sure on, but like even like Najila would like love something like this. Like, oh yeah, this is just another Mandalorian deck cast Najila. Thrasios probably does want this. You're it, probably yeah. right. Thrasios does. I'm not convinced it goes in every green deck ever, but I it definitely goes in most of them, and you definitely yeah. try it out after playing green. Alrighty. Um, the next card that we're going to talk about is actually a pair of commanders here. Um, these you will see in Sunday's gameplay video. This is Frodo, Adventurous Hobbit, and Sam, Loyal Attendant. Uh, here's my monologue. Uh, Frodo, white, black for a legendary creature, Halfling Scout. It's a 1-3, partners with Sam, and has Vigilance. And when Frodo attacks, if you gain three or more life this turn, the ring tempts you. Then if Frodo is your ring bearer and the ring has tempted you two or more times this game, draw a card. Sam is one, a green and a white for a halfling peasant. It partners with Frodo. It says at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a food token. And it says activated abilities of foods you control cost one less to activate. So these two are the partners that are the face of the food precon deck. Um, we're really not here to talk about them a ton. Uh, it's really just that they are the commanders that we use to showcase the Samwise Gamgee card, um, which is from the original set. This is a green and a white for a 2-2 legendary creature, Halfling Pleasant. It says, whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, sacrifice, no, create a food token. And then it says, sacrifice three foods, return target historic card from your graveyard to your hand halfling pleasant i did say pleasant didn't i i know it was very pleasant well he is it. a very pleasant halfling so not, i mean not him. as pleasant as the delighted halfling but it's, it's up there that's very true the reason why we're talking Which halfling about is more pleasant <laughs> <laughs> the reason that we're talking about this particular sam is that it's a great new hulk pile with this and grand abolisher and a sack outlet and that new cauldron familiar which really isn't a new card anymore it's been around for a while and it's been broken in other formats a lot those are four cards that six CMC or less that you can create a loop by sacrificing the cat. When a cat comes back in, you can make a food. The food will be made when the cat comes in because Sam will see it. I'm not explaining it super well, but you can sacrifice the food to bring the cat back. The cat comes in and creates a food. Sacrifice again with your sack outlet. And when the cat comes in, you drain the table. And you get a bunch of food when you sacrifice your Hulk because Sam will see the three other creatures come into play alongside of him. Right. The or actual, two other creatures, however much it ends up being. The actual Commanders themselves are kind of just mediocre card advantage, card selection, a little bit of life gain, and they kind of let you discard a card. So if you're playing reanimation spells, you can discard the Hulk. That can be kind of helpful. But the main reason why we played them is because they can fit the new Hulk line. And it's also Frodo. We have to have Frodo in like the gameplay game. Come on. Just because we didn't kind of explicitly say this, even though you've certainly implied it, this is pretty definitively the best Hulk line now. Like before, I you know, I feel like there, there were more than one. You would sometimes situationally X or Y. But the fact that it gets Grand Abolisher right away means that really the only thing you can possibly worry about are channel abilities um, when you're trying to go off with this line. So it makes Hulk substantially better. Yeah, because didn't before, like, if you wanted to get Grand Abolisher in play to go through your combo, you also had to have, like, activated Sleeper and something else then, too? You normally had to go through a couple, like, double Hulk lines, which I think this is just extra protected. You don't have to go through things more than one time. So, yeah. yeah. So there are no, yeah, there are no interaction points where they can stop you halfway through the Hulk line. Yeah, exactly. So... Kind of like it for that. Definitely better, higher on Samwise Gamgee than we are Sam Loyal Attendant. Yeah, definitely. Normally, I think if you're playing this Hulk pile, you would just play like Timna Halar? It's basically Timna Halana. It's yeah, basically Timna what that deck is. is. Yeah, basically. Timna Halana? Yeah, it's, uh, it allows things to fight when things enter or something. Yeah, you pay two mana, it can fight. It, it shittily helps you kill your Hulk, but it's just like a, a pretty average Abzan Hulk deck. Someone's upset that I'm saying it's pretty average. It's like the Abzan Hulk deck. I thought like Timna Timnatana was like going Hulk now for a lot of those lists. Some of them are. Yeah, yeah some of them I'm are. I'm going Hulk. <laughs> That's what the Hulk says, right? Yeah. I think with this line, you only have to be an Abzan. I know there have a bunch of different. There have been a bunch of different Abzan Hulk decks, and uh, that one is normally the one that I see the most. Gotcha. Yeah, me too. Um, great. All right, we're gonna move on and talk about Lotho. Lotho. Lotto? L-O-T-H-O. Lotto. When have you ever seen T-H and, and pronounce it Lotho? <laughs> T-H. 
Lot ho. Yeah, you, it's Lot-ho. a Lord of the Rings card. You guys should. This know guy's this. not in the movie, You're so I don't me. know. You read, you read the books. You know this one? I, I I did. I didn't have them read aloud to me, so I could still <laughs> be wrong. But I've been saying Lotho. Lotho is what I would say. Lo, but there, it's just L O, not L O O. That would be Lutho. That would be Lutho. No, that's L O U. Lou. L O U is Lou. Like Louis. Lo- L O O would definitely be Lutho. Though. How do you spell Lufa, Kim? L O U F A. No, no, no. Lufa is definitely L U P H A. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. <laughs> you are antagonizing me on purpose, and it's working, and I'm furious. <laughs> what does this card do, Cam? Read right. it. This is a white and a black for a 2-1 legendary creature, Halfling Rogue. It says, whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, you lose a life and create a treasure. We already know that Krom is good, so we already know that this triggers often. Um, it gets treasures instead of cards, which treasures are worse than cards, but treasures are still really good. It costs a lot less than Krom. This costs so. a lot less than Krom. I love this in Dargo lists or other things that want to use treasures as much as possible. I'm definitely considering it in Timna Jessica, but I don't know if it's good enough in decks that want to go fast, fast, fast. A slower Timna deck, I think, might want this. By slower Tim the deck, I don't know what that is. I don't think that's like Tim the Tana. And I'm pretty sure I'm not cutting anything to put this in like a blue farm list. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, what do you cut? Like there's so many cards for blue farm that you already want. A uh, 2-1 is a very fragile body. I would so much rather play the Orcish Bowmasters. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Instead. That oh, makes yeah. two bodies. Like I'm much more comfortable cutting a card for that. This one just says words that we want to see, I think. It says the second spell for turn is a good wording, I think. If it gives you benefit, that happens a lot. And treasures are great if you get them without investing additional mana. Uh, it can attack with Timna, yada, yada, yada. There's a bunch of things. It's close. If this you three mana for three life i think that's that's a great rate right great. there that's a yeah. great ritual rate is this a commander mm, maybe i don't think so i don't think so tim is better right you it's tim is strictly better yeah but, but yeah is... i mean it's only mana advantage so i think then the question you ask yourself is like if malcolm didn't have partner would it be a commander and i mean and, and, and was somehow two colors thing to counter or yeah. thing to and combo i think with yeah yeah i think it's still no yeah yeah i think that's fair all right, we're going to move on. Aragorn the Uniter. This is a red, green, white, blue for a human noble legendary creature. That is a 5-5. Five, five. Whenever you cast a white spell, create a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. Whenever you cast a blue spell, scry 2. Whenever you cast a red spell, Aragorn the Uniter deals 3 damage to target opponent. And whenever you cast a green spell, target creature gets plus 4, plus 4. Until end of turn. Food chain. Food chain. When you're casting Squee over and over again with the food chain combo, every time you cast Squee, if your commander is out, you'll deal three damage to an opponent, each opponent. An opponent. An opponent, and you just keep on doing that forever. This also works if you're going through Dockside Teamer Sabertooth loops, too. Every time you recast your Dockside, you can also deal three damage to the table. Seems pretty good. Um, definitely not the best four-color food chain commander. Probably. I think Atraxa still gets it there. As That as might be true. I don't think this is the best four-color food chain deck in its colors, yeah. even. Omnath yeah. is also... There's a four-color yeah, 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 Omnath right, sense right. that also does food chain that probably does this a little bit better. Honestly, the reason why this is good is because there is a lot of different value that you can get. Um, and there's uh, like stuff that you'll see in like this coming Childewin game where actually the plus four, plus four even does a lot of substantial work, too. That being said, though... There's no real card advantage here. Scry is nice, but it's not putting cards in your hand. And that's where Thrasios Bruise and Omnath will end up being better grindier engines here. I think if you're in like Staxi food chain, like you're heavy on green white stuff and you're like going into like the make lots of tokens and try to make them big and like win fairly if I can and then like back up on food chain, maybe this is something there because it does something that the other options don't do in that way. That's true. But I yeah. don't know if that's a better game plan than just going kind of more all in on it. Yeah. This deck um also plays like underworld breach stuff that yeah. you can do just because you're in the good colors for it. So uh, so let's see how that does this coming weekend, too. And then the last commander that you'll see in this coming gameplay video is Sauron, Lord of the Rings. This is five, a blue, a black, and a red for a legendary creature, Avatar Horror. It is a 9-9, nine, nine, and whenever you cast this spell, amass five orcs, mill five cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It has trample, and whenever a commander an opponent controls dies, the ring tempts you. So I played this deck this weekend. Uh, it has some good things for it and some bad things for it. Uh, let's go over the good things. The good things is that you can kind of play a regular Grixis list and use this as your outlet for a Dockside loop where you're bouncing things back and forth, either with Baron Master Wizard or with... 
Cloudstone Curio. Uh, you mill through your entire library, make a huge orc, uh, and then eventually you can bring your Thassa's Oracle back in play. Even if you do bring it in early, your combo is like bouncing stuff, so you can bounce the Thassa's Oracle and then recast it once your library is milled after casting this back and forth. Um, I also like that this can kind of help you play fair a little bit. A lot of times this is going to be a big giant 9-9 body plus another 5-5 body and then maybe another thing like a Dothy Voidwalker that you already sacrificed. Unfortunately, the big negative for this is that it's eight fucking mana, so it's really, really hard to cast. The Drowneth Magistrates are going to come out way before that you get to cast this most often, uh, and it's a Grixis deck that you don't have anything active to help you in the early turns of the game, which are like the most crucial, important turns for Grixis. So it, I'm not sure if it's going to see play going beyond this. I like that it can be an outlet for a Grixis combo, uh, and a fucking, I mean, it's cool. Sauron's fucking awesome, but I don't uh, I don't know if it'll see play at passes. There's just too many good Grixis options. You're in the best colors, so like you you will definitely pick up some wins. Period. Yep. <laughs> also, I don't know if we care about it, but since my role is to be pedantic, you did say amass five orcs, which makes it sound like you make five, but it is just amass works five, as just as every so, other. So, so I have. You're right, and I have been saying amass five orcs in general when I talk about this. And the reason why I actually kind of like that wording more is because it is an army that you are assembling assembly-ing. Right, but you're also wrong because it's a Mass Orcs 5. It's not a Mass 5 Orcs. Yeah, but remember, I don't care. <laughs> Valid point. I don't care. I think it sounds very Lord of the Ringsy to say a Mass Orcs 5 because I feel like that's how hobbits would talk. They have a Mass Orcs 5. See, that makes it... Talk, right? To me, that makes it sound like you are programming something into a computer more than you are, like, actually creating Orcs in a legitimate way. I, yeah. I, because illegitimate orcs, I am so sick of. <laughs> Fair. All right. Are they all illegitimate? None of them have, like, like wedded parents, right? Uh, that... I don't know. I don't really know the interlacings and workings of orc society. They get, like, born out of the ground. They're hatched. Of, like, like, I, they're are, hatched. are all orcs yeah. born out of the ground? I thought only the other ones. The So, originally, orcs were twisted elves. Oh, yeah. So, they were born as elves. But, elves okay. were born. But those were the orcs. The movies specifically follow the Uruk-hai. Those are made. Those are made, yeah. so I think that's different from an orc. Definitely, Urukai are like human orcs, kind of, right? Or they're like just super. They're orcs. A, they're stronger. They're just orc. stronger a orcs, stronger, not human orcs. Just yeah. like stronger orcs. Just Making got, them human would actually make them worse. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, because humans are like one of the re weakest races in all of the Lord of the Wings. Cobblepot, I'm so wings. sorry. Yeah, we Lord of the Wings. <laughs> Great. Any other cards? We have two more cards we're going to talk about. All right. <laughs> we are going to talk about the land before we talk about the colorless card here, actually. Mount Doom. This is awesome. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Uh, it's a legendary land. You can tap it to pay a life and make a red or a black. Already playable in certain decks. Already, already Rakdos decks are throwing pathways out yeah. the window. <laughs> um, uh, for a one red and a black, you can tap Mountain Doom to deal one damage to each opponent. And for five a red and a black, you can tap and sack Mountain Doom and a legendary artifact to choose up to two creatures, then destroy the rest. Activate this only at sorcery speed. So that last ability is not going to happen a ton. There's not a ton of legendary artifacts that you want to sack. But Mox Opal is like guess, actually yeah. one that a lot okay. of decks Mox play. Amber. Yeah, Mox, Mox Amber. Amber Mox yeah. Fewer yeah. decks. Yeah. There's a couple, but not Rock a ton. Rock and stuff like that. Like these kind of decks would play Mount Doom over anything else. I think the main thing is that this is a red-black land that pings you for one that you don't really mind. Um, I think the fact that it can be a win condition in World Gorger Dragon. As you're flickering through your lands, you can keep on tapping this over and over to ping everyone. Correct? That's hilarious so like that's nice and helpful but world gorgeous dragon is mostly a not favorite combo right now because it's usually just it. awesome <laughs> have you won with it yeah i win with it all the time do you really that's normally how i finish the game yeah that's so fun. i that has... i have the grand abolisher up by that point by the time i'm there uh, okay but, that yeah. makes sense oh you know what you did win once that yeah. this weekend with it i remember so yeah. good yeah good with world gorgeous dragon combos also good in the obnixilis that cares about hitting your opponents for one but for the majority of decks that may run this it is probably just the first line of text that you care about about and basically not the other two yes agreed um this only sees play in rakdos decks and some three color red black decks not all um i think it's just awesome to say play mount doom like yeah that's that's fucking awesome mount doom. um but yeah i think this is low enough downside that more decks than you would think would want it just on it being an untapped red or black land depends on how 
much you care about your ad nauseums, though, for yeah. like some of those red black decks that are very fast, very ad nauseum focused. Yeah. But for something more like the Tim DeJesca deck that you're playing, that's 23 lands and much more in on like Bolas' Citadel, I think there's a lot more in something like that. I would be interested in playing this in that deck for sure. Definitely. Uh, we saved one of the better cards for last. This is the One Ring. Wow. Read it to me. Wow. This is four mana for a legendary artifact that is indestructible. <laughs> it says, when the one ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each bird encounter on the one ring. And you can tap it and put a bird encounter on the one ring to then draw a card for each bird encounter on the one ring. I think this card is surprisingly good. It reads kind of bad. It's a four mana do nothing that draws you one card, but then it draws you two cards and then it draws you three cards. And we know how powerful Ristic Study can be the longer it sticks around. The life loss is going to be pretty negligible and you even lose the life after you draw the cards, which a lot of times would be relevant because you can draw the cards at instant speed. I think in low color decks, I don't know. I think this card's really good. Yeah, I think this card is, is pretty strong and sees play in a reasonable amount of decks. Um, I will say it was in the Gandalf the White deck that I played because being able to play it at flash speed makes the protection from everything clause a lot better um, because any combos that are killing you with damage rather than a win the game clause um, are, are just not going to be able to kill you. And then, you know, in a lot of instances, there's a reasonable case that you can then turn the corner and kill the last remaining player. So that is super relevant. Other people have made the point that in decks that already run Seedborn Muse, this is one way that Seedborn Muse really closes out the game, to which you could also say you probably should just be able to close out the game with Seedborn Muse anyway, but I, I think it's a very good point. Um, this draws 10 cards on a turn cycle if you get it down with a Seedborn Muse out, which is absolutely insane, insane and backbreaking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think people will probably experiment with this, but because it's all generic mana, it's reasonably easy to cast, and for a card that comes down and feels like it might do close to nothing or only draw you one card, I think this is about as good as it gets. It's going to snowball very quickly. I think the second time you tap this and it's a four mana draw three cards, it gets like close to good. When you when it's a four mana draw six cards, it's in, it's really good. That's really good. And yeah. then anything past that, you should you should probably win the game. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. One ring better than it looks at first glance. I think this card is going to see a lot of play. Definitely. Is it better than Ristic Study? No, definitely not. But it's like like think like it's close. I think you can compare it to Ristic Study in like sometimes in power levels and non blue decks. Yeah, I think I think what's worth saying is that it is. Better than Phyrexian Arena like effects. Like yeah. it is definitely better yeah. than that. Those don't really get played, but um, this Ristic probably study does. doesn't kill you because of bird encounters. Right. So that's also true. The life losses are going to be largely irrelevant, though. I feel like. Yeah. I think if so. you are, if you, I mean, even with Seedborn Muse, like losing ten life is a pretty decent amount of life if you're going around. I mean, you're not going to care. You, I think you only lose the life on your upkeep. Yes, but like if you're still, you still get a bird encounter. Put a bird encounter on it, then draw a bird on. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not actually. You'll only lose four if you go through the seedborn things, but you'll draw. Yeah, more you're right. You draw ten. Why? So like that, you draw more cards than you lose life, which is Dude, always you a good lose rainbow. like so little life. Yeah. With look, this. besides oh that God. whole argument, like just the fact that Necropotence is still good tells you that one life per card is fine. So, so is Necropotence still good? Because we also talked about that earlier today, and maybe <laughs> it's not. So I, uh, uh, this is better than Necropotence. I'll go out on a limb and I will say that this is better than Necropotence. I do. I maybe maybe this is already easier to cast than necropotence arguably this gives you protection this can not necessarily make you as much of a threat as necropotence because you are going to lose life but you're not going to lose life as quickly it is slower than necropotence but i don't think that means that it is worse than necropotence i i I think i'm at least going to insist that in mono black decks and perhaps two color black decks necropotence is still um, substantially better when you when you have like a decent chance of casting it off a of fast mana turn one and the pips aren't a challenge yeah i think this sees playing more decks though this yeah. is gonna see yeah, playing yeah, more yeah, decks than so necropotence too. just because it sees playing all the two and some of the three color uh de- non-black decks i might be running this in canon and i'm certainly not running necropotence in canon yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i think the protection of everything until your next turn also is relevant. really nice so like you can't get attacked that turn whereas necro you take off fucking beating when that comes into play yeah it allows people to forget that you have your card advantage too because it's been a whole turn cycle which is like sneakily something that's worth considering and it also helps protect you against the early win conditions a lot of the things that are trying to win in the early stages of the game are actually not Thassa's Oracle I feel like a lot of the early win attempts are some type of dual caster some type of kiki jiki some type of infinite pinging 
which this does protect you against. So I think your advent, your severely, significantly advantage to like try to like get this out with an early mana vault or something like that. Yeah, and I, just on the list of things that also can't hit you early game, um, you can't be brain freezed for mm. for yeah, your entire that's deck. Also, yeah, this that's is- also potentially relevant for sure. Cool. Yeah, very very interesting, very powerful card. I'm excited to try out. Um, but that sounds good. So we talked about 19 cards today. Nice. We definitely missed something. We probably missed something, although this power level of this set is certainly not as high as some other sets we've talked about. There are definitely still a lot of very interesting options for CEDH here. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you'd like to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon, like our $100 patrons. Cool Bean Man, Luke Cook, Young Mox, AJ Awosebi, Demon of Rosgrees, Kawaja A. Hamid, Lauren Connell, and Baby Gbus. If you want to pick up any of our merch, you can do that at MTG. Huge shout out to Dragon Shield. Thank you so much for supporting the show and make sure you check out our affiliate link down below. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all of our content. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Goodbye. All right. right. Lutri's dad. dad. Stashes. Mitchell Shepard. Justin. Man Solo. Steven Shulakhi. Big TP15. That green guy. Pedro. Jacob Depp. Michael Blue. Jan Wildfang. Thomas Bueno. David Nelson. And Jormags. I actually think there's one more thing that we should do. Up to you guys, but I just because I think it's a fun discussion that everyone is having. Are you throwing the ring into the volcano or selling it for $2 million? Like that whole discussion. I definitely made that joke in the beginning. Of course I would sell it. Oh, did you already? Yeah, I did. I'm on a TikTok. I did make that joke. But other people have also made that joke. Realistically, I would fucking sell it. Yeah, definitely sell it. It's life-changing amounts of money. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think so, too. It is It is an awful waste, but ugh. I would try to make some type of gag and pretend like I threw it in the fire or something. But no, yeah, I would definitely just sell it and make $5 million or something. I would try to commit to the bit for so long that I go to a volcano with no intention of throwing it in, but then totally accidentally, like, drop it. And then, like, a gust of wind <laughs> oh, no. takes it out of my hand. You should try to, like, raise the prices that way. $10 million and hold it over the fire and say, no, $50 million or I'll drop it. I'm gonna lower it on the fishing rod if yeah. you don't. <laughs> hold it as ransom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what would you do? Ah, uh, man, I, I yeah, I want to pretend, but it, of course it's a life-changing amount of money. I, I, I have heard people say, like, if you could get a Kickstarter going that would, like, crowdsource enough money that people wanted you to throw it into the volcano enough to match that amount of money, that would be sick, but I think realistically it's not going to happen. Because if someone asked you, will you pay me to get absolutely no benefit, I would say no. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.